Hey, I'm Samantha Saki from The Self Club. This podcast is a conscious rebellion to shift our mindset, our way of relating, and our educational system from fear towards truth, trust, and love. This new paradigm starts with you. I love that you guys can be a part of these these conversations, these live sessions, um, which are usually conversations between two people who love to explore what it means to be human. And it's conversations that I usually have with people that are so juicy that I'm like, I wish other people would be listening in on this right now, right? Because it just has so much power and insight, right? And it's raw and it's vulnerable. And um, and today I have with me the wonderful Ren. Ren, mm-hmm. Ren and I met because we went to Cambodia together. Um, Indeed. Yeah, on this beautiful, um, it's called um, Project Gen Z and they do, I don't know, I've never explained it like uh, formally, but it's like a... Um, Kind of like a charity trip, yeah. Um, a trip where these mm. really these forces come together to to give back, and and we we worked with a charity in Cambodia called Sunrise, and we worked with like these incredible kids in mm. Cambodia, teaching them entrepreneurship and organizing events. And well, you know, um, we can talk about that maybe if it comes up later. Um, and so yeah, and 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 Ren is a beautiful, as I see her, a force of nature. Um, she has taught me a lot, even in the little time that we've known each other. And I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. So Ren, I'd like you to introduce yourself for a bit and ah, then we'll get into the topic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everyone. And thank you for having me, Sam. This is amazing. Uh, okay. So quite like Sam, I love, I'm um, taking titles away. I kind of love having them for a little while and then it's, you know, I'm a human, I'm a woman that's committed to living a life of courage and conviction um I find so many different ways to do that and I love connecting with other people and it's just always such a blessing to be able to share I think these amazing conversations that we do have with each other with a broader a broader audience so that's me and I'm so keen to get into this juicy conversation uh me too and like let's just dive straight in because me and you we talk about this a lot and this is so juicy and um, for those of you who might know, we, because I know some of you have, have heard it before. So at the Self Club, I've been creating this 12-week program and Ren is one of the ambassadors. And this program has all been about, it's all about reconnecting back with yourself and changing the relationship you have with yourself. And this is in the context of women. And as women, and I'm not saying that men do not have this and I don't want to polarize it into men and women I do want to talk about the the feminine let's say but it's the feminine has had quite a journey through time right and how we perceive the feminine how we relate to the feminine all of human beings how we relate to the feminine aspects of ourselves and in that journey there is a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure that turns out to be this, this perfectionism um, that just kind of like becomes a weight that is unbearable. 
And and I wanted to to start the conversation, Ren, by actually just asking you, what, what is what is self love to you? Oh, <laughs> you're just gonna hit me right with that one straight up. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, self love is a never ending journey for starters. Like it is just it's never ending. Um, I think and that as as always changing too. Um, for me. You know, I think I started out uh, when I was really introduced to having to learn how to love myself was when I had my daughter. She's 12 now. And but when I, I, I became a mum to her, I, I realized very quickly, I was like, oh, shit, like, I've got to raise a human. I've got to get myself together. And, um, you know, that was when that real inner critic became really loud. When you become a parent, you're just all of a sudden you're criticizing absolutely everything. So that journey, um, yeah, really fell, fell up then. And. I think for me, in those first moments, it was just self-care. It was like, you know, taking those little moments to, you know, have a bath or take a break. And then that along the way of my journey, especially over the past 12 years, I've started to dig a lot deeper into that. And I've done a lot of different kinds of spiritual work to um, crack into the real depths of what self-love means and how I can have a really deep and immersive experience with that and cut the superficial bullshit and not just be, am I okay with the skin that I'm in, but am I okay with the talk that I'm telling myself? Am I okay with the way that that has me behaving with other people? Uh, so I don't know if that really answers your question. I, I can't identify it in one way. It's continuously changing, but it's the little things and it's the big things and it's everything in between. It's just how we show up for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I wanted to ask you in particular, because I think there is no answer, like this is the definition, right? And I think when we get into certain topics, we can't just put things into boxes and categorize and structure everything. It's, it's messy, right? Like self-love mm. and the journey to self-love is messy. And, and one thing that I wanted to touch on here, one time I was talking about self-love to a friend and he, this was years ago, and he told me, like, oh, self-love, but like, you can't become too egocentric and like fall in love with yourself. And I was like, what? Like, I never imagined that somebody would equate self-love with self-obsession, you know? And, and then, and then it made me think, well, wait a second, when we take the word self out and we talk about love, what do we think love is? Like, you know love do we have do we have a notion of love that is that is obsessive you know that is possessive mm-hmm. that actually funnily enough do we have a do we have a view of love that has to look a certain way and if so what is the picture that society has painted for us of what love is supposed to look mm-hmm. like when when in its essence right like love is <sighs> probably the energy that we can least contain and mm-hmm. hold and put labels on and say this is what it looks like if it fulfills Mm. a b and c criteria then you got love (laughs) that's the recipe absolutely it's funny because I love that you've just mentioned that that we've like there's a way that we can sort of shame ourselves into giving ourselves too much love like that's not okay 
and it's not okay for us to take up the space and go, yeah, I'm okay with myself. I, I love myself. And that starts at a very young age. I think about that, you know, we've, we've I, I always find it quite confusing that we encourage little babies or whatever, like, you know, start talking and take up that space and be noisy and loud. And then eventually you go, no, sit down, be quiet. Don't take up that space. You know, don't make yourself too noticed. And we become these shrinking violets in society. It's, it baffles me. Mm. That That's so, that's so interesting because one of the things that when you said that your daughter was kind of like the beginning of your self-love journey, it's really interesting because when we're trying to teach something to another human being, the way we treat ourselves and talk to ourselves is probably what we're handing over the most, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and when I say that was that was my like journey, I'm going to say that was my conscious decision to make you know make choices towards accessing greater self love because I was I became very conscious of the fact that anything that I did would have a ripple effect on her, and then that made me become even more aware of anything I do has a ripple effect on anyone that I come into contact with. Mm. You know? So then kind my of, question is, what, you said something that when you become a parent, your inner critic like gets really activated, mm-hmm. right? Um, Mm -hmm. was that then because it kind of sounds like wow if if that wasn't necessarily the beginning of the journey to self-love but was it also the beginning of the perfectionist voice oh yeah oh my goodness yes I think they're always there right but I think as soon as something and it's a label thing right like then you can identify and you attach yourself to what it should what you should look like so I finally really had a label I was at, you know, I was 20 when I had my daughter. So, you know, at that point, then I'm a mum. Okay, so what does a good mum look like? And I read all of the books. I did everything. Mm. I like, I don't even think I let her play in grass for six months. Like, I was like freaking out about everything. I was that level. Um, And I had to get everything right because I didn't, I, you know, I didn't want to look like a failure. I didn't want to look like I didn't have it all together. Um, You know, I took that pressure on me and, and I painted an illusion. For a lot of people, and now when I look back at that, and I've, you know, I've had to a lot and grieve that journey for a part of me, but going, that was such a disservice to myself, and also such a disservice to other mothers and other women and anyone that was really watching that to say that that's what we need to look like, you know, that it has to all be perfect and that we need to get our body back immediately, and you know, this shit just spirals. It's not just mothers; it's everywhere. Um, but yeah, it definitely started to feed being perfect because I identified with a label that I had a vision in my head of what that really needed to look like. Mm-hmm. And, and, and is that like where all of our perfectionism comes from? Cause I personally, like, I mean, I think we've talked about this, but you know, when people ask me like, Hey, if you could change anything from your life, what would you change? Right. And I'm a very, you know, no regrets. Everything happens exactly as it has to happen kind of person. Mm. But when I do look back, there's one thing I always say, and it's, you know, I wouldn't change a thing, but I wish I would have been a little bit less hard on myself Mm. throughout the process. And I often wonder, like with myself, right, like, why, where does this need to be perfect come from? You know, it is there of course there's a component of society right and and like Mm. you said the images that comes from like the movies right and of course what Mm. what our parents painted um in our heads of of what success is supposed Mm. to look like 
right? And so, hey, mm -hmm. having X amount of money, right, means that you're doing well in life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, having a partner and a family and it looking like this is means they just created all of these uh, KPIs, you know? Mm. <laughs> And so as soon as, and, and so we're, we're, we were conditioned to chase those things, to mm -hmm. think, to think that those were the things that that's how it's supposed to be. And if I'm not that something is wrong with me. Absolutely. Something is wrong. And also something I've really linked it to is I'm not going to be accepted. Mm. right because we're human beings and we thrive in tribe we want connection we want to be accepted we crave community you know no matter how like I sometimes think that I'm a very like solo person I love my alone time but I still I have a deep desire to connect with people um and yeah I think it's the acceptance element as well like we want to know that that you know that people are going to say yes to us and that that comes with that perfectionism don't be flawed, don't be damaged, otherwise you won't get picked up and you won't, it's like a piece of fruit, right? You know how they have the, the odd baskets now that they're letting you choose that those ones for cheaper because they're not as pretty. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? But yeah, that's where I can identify it as well is you have that need for acceptance. Yeah, and I think that this is why it's so important for like the narratives to change right now, right? Because th those old narratives of what, yeah, what, what success looks like, what we're supposed to be are just so heavy that we're in a generation of like self-doubt and, mm -hmm. and lack of self-confidence and like comparing ourselves. And, and it's funny, instead of saying, what's wrong with me, right? You'd be like, wait, what's wrong with the system? And what's wrong with the criteria, the selection mm -hmm. criteria we have created to be part of the tribe? And let's put like a really simple example here, right? Because the tribe thing you said, I think is, is like essential like we we like you said we thrive by being part of community and and this comes from like really ancient wiring like our chances of survival are higher if we're part of a tribe than if we're like all alone you know by ourselves mm -hmm. and so one of the narratives and I've, I think I've talked about this in a few live sessions like one of the narratives that is so unhelpful is the self-sufficiency independence mm. narrative right like and and I'm saying it not only as a narrative but as a goal or as an expectation that we have on ourselves and the society has of us you should be independent right mm -hmm. you should be self-sufficient you shouldn't need anyone needing mm -hmm. people or needing others is weak right like even the word needy like you would never if somebody calls you needy you'd never be like oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's always an insult. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you're so needy. Like you, yeah. you can't, you can't handle it by yourself. You're, you, yeah. you're heavy. And it's uh -huh. like, well, <laughs> when did we start creating that narrative of extreme individualism? Hmm. I've often wondered that myself, like, where did that happen? Like, how did we start to really silo ourselves out like that? Um, and it feels like, you know, you touched on this feminine stuff. And so if I can please just reintroduce this energetically, um, you know, our, our world has been heavily oversaturated with a masculine energy. And this is not, again, referring to men and women. It's very much just an energy sense. 
Um, and in that, I think it was, yeah, to stand alone, show you strong, you know, um, you have to be able to do it on your own. And maybe that came through the times of war, like when we've, we've had absolute severings of, of tribes and there, there has been so much of a, like so much carnage across the world um, for millennia essentially. And so maybe once that started to happen, it was that put on a brave face, you're okay, because that was what we had to do. But now I feel like we are starting to come back full circle and we're starting to seek our tribes again. And there is more of that feminine energy that's going, let's nurture each other and let's actually be there and hold that. And it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be soft. It's okay to express love again. We are safe. And I think that's something that I have had my journey over the past 12 months of that is stepping into my fullness and really uh, like cracking open into self-love as well has been about safety and knowing that, you know, I don't need to be accepted, but I will be. My tribe will find me. My people find me. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't really hide out from it. I'm, I'm pretty loud. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. And that's that shift yeah. from... and. Yeah, it's that shift from, and I actually have it right there written in my mirror. There's, it says, um, how can I shift from hostility and fear to love and trust? Mm, I love that. Yeah. And it's, it, it first starts, right? Like if we bring it actually to the self, it's like, what does it, what does it look like to like have a relationship of love and trust with yourself rather than of fear and hostility right and that fear tying it to the tribe and everything it's like there's and I, I can relate to this very much in myself I don't know if you can or like other people relate to it, but I I know when I'm operating from a fear of not being enough mm. from um oh my god what if I don't say the right thing what are they going to think about me? Fear of judgment, fear of rejection, just like, mm -hmm. just fear that it's almost like a fear. Like I'm going to be discovered. Like what if they see me for who I am and they realize Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not as whatever <laughs> adjective. Right? Imposter syndrome. It just gets you good sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> That's it. Exactly. Well, look, I'm even going to put it out there. And I know I said this to you maybe like a week and a half ago. I was having a really hard time. Like I was in a shit spot. And I said to you, I, I started to have this little panic of going, how the hell am I going to show up and talk about self-love? Like I don't feel like I have self-love right now. <laughs> and I, well, like but this is the messy part of it as well, right? Is that it comes and it goes like that we're right in those moments. But yeah, that even caught me out then, right? Even though I'm doing all of this work, it's still still showed up for me going well does that make me a phony and a fraud and I was like well of course not it just means that I'm on this journey too and I think having more of these open conversations about it normalizes it for people because this is the normal stuff it's messy shit and sometimes you're amazing and confident other times you've got to put on a bit of a mask you know and then sometimes you just want to be an absolute mess and let everyone see it and that's okay too yeah and that's the power of like exactly that coming up showing up and being like like, I love that you brought that up because when you, when you, it was, that's like a perfect, and this happens to all of us. Like, I hope that people feel identified here when you have the voice that pops up. That's like, why should people listen to me? Who am I to be doing this? Right. And then, and then you feel that you're not good enough. And it's funny, right? Like we're going to talk about perfectionism versus self-love. And we were saying we're even hyper perfectionists 
about how self-love should look and what the self-love process <laughs> is supposed to be like. like let me breathe. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. That, that's, that's, I guess, what, and when I, when, let's put perfectionism as a voice in our head, like that inner critic you mentioned at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? It's that voice that comes in and is like, hi, like scans you from up to down, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> scans your behavior, the tone in which you said that, the words you used, right? Scrutinizing every aspect mm-hmm. of you and being like, mm, I don't, I don't know if you, if you're there yet, you mm. know, and, and the standard, the standard, by the way, that it's comparing you to is, uh, sorry, but like a bullshit, impossible, conceptual standard that doesn't even exist. Mm. So, it, so it's not even like, because even, even the people that we have as idols, right, or role models, right, or people we look up to, e- even them, they are the we usually project this fake like you know we put them on a pedestal so we only Absolutely. see the parts we want to see and we don't see the ugly and the parts where that are messy and the parts mm. where they mess up so even if even if it's a real person that our inner critic might have in mind or even a parent it's still just a partial conceptual thing that you've created as an impossible standard in your brain that your brain keeps mm. comparing Absolutely. you to Absolutely. And you know what, every time that that comes up, I have to check myself and say, you're deflecting right now. Like, you know, you're looking at someone else rather than just look within a little bit more, you know, like stop that bullshit. It's not about them, about you right now. Like, what is it you're searching from them or looking at them saying you don't have? Find it. We absolutely have it. It's just about our belief systems around ourselves. And I always use, um, say to my daughter and my son a lot, um, is comparison is the thief of joy. I'm sure that we've all seen that floating around everywhere, but it really, like, as soon as that starts, you can feel the joy being stripped out of you. You know, as soon as comparisons and that inner critic comes up, and, you know, I really do think, um, and to be honest, I'm going to be really frank here, the um, self-empowerment, like, community that was, that like, is getting washed out a little bit now, but it used to really piss me off because I, I would look at it going, we need to show more of this. You know, like where there's flaws and it's it, that it is messy because it's, it's, that was, there's of illusion that it is perfect all of the time and it's sunshine, lollipops and rainbows. And that's all I'm going to put out there all of the time. I'm going to be on, on, on and sunshine. And it's just, you do that for people and then that's what they think they have to mirror. And it's our responsibility and everyone's, I think, no matter whether you'd consider yourself a leader or not, I believe that we are all of influence. It's our responsibility to then to continue to try and bring that back in and say, well, what do I, how do I want to show up for myself and other people so that that mirroring can be a really beautiful exchange? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because the problem with, um, yeah, I, I, and I agree with you um, with, with the empowerment movement and I'm all for, like I am, <sighs> empowerment for me real true empowerment should be about allowing people to be their full Mm -hmm. selves no matter what that looks like Mm -hmm. because again if we also start putting an image around what empowerment should be and the female leader and 
then again, we create a compare comparison point again. And you know, it's really tough because as human beings, we do need like images and role mm-hmm. models, like mm-hmm. do help us shape the narrative that goes on in our own minds. Right. We, mm-hmm. we need something to hold on to, right. To kind of like function a little that you know, that ego and identity, we can't as a society probably all function on the premises of like no mind and get rid of the self and kind of like path to enlightenment like mm-hmm. yet at least or I think we're very far from that right now um and we need a narrative to hold our lives but it's just like changing it like you said from the and and with women it has been this women model of leadership a female model of leadership that like models and tries to copy masculine the masculine Mm-hmm. and it's it's just so different right like the way the feminine and the masculine lead and again this is in in each of us but because we've been living in a world that is so like that just values the masculine above the feminine and for those of you who like who are new to this concept of the masculine and feminine or like the yin and yang mm-hmm. we we've just been living a lot more in yang right like we value like and when I say we value, it's just like a, in the unconscious. Think about it. People are willing to pay more for a strategy and goal setting. Like we think that's more important than flow and creativity session. Yeah, like it's just it's kind of like I'm just polarizing it right now. But mm. flow and creativity um, are are feminine values and mm-hmm. structure and boxes. Let's say um, and goals and results are masculine values. Mm-hmm. So going towards the feminine is also a bit scary because it's like, it's vulnerable and it's messy. And we might not be able to create like boxes where everything fits in. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know about you, but I do have fears. Like I, <laughs> I'm not gonna say I fear my own feminine, but yeah, there's a, I have a lot of masculine energy as well. And it's like this feminine power is like it's so messy like how am I going to contain this like mm-hmm. how do, how's my mind gonna wrap its head around it do you know <laughs> what I mean do you get that yeah that absolutely I get it I get it for sure and I think like, I was sharing this with you and I'd, I'd like to share with everyone else as well like and again if you're new to the concepts of feminine and masculine but I like to look at it as well as like the sun energy is very much the masculine and then if you think about the feminine, it's the moon energy. And what we, what we know about the moon is it's constantly changing. It, it has, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's secular. And so it's never really in its own shape for very long. And then it's shifting again and shifting again. And that's what this energy is all about, right? Is that you can kind of have some sort of compass as to what's coming, but you can't really. Like it's, it's very much a trusting the process honoring the process of this particular way of being and existing together and and collaborating and and kind of I suppose it's a little more like leaning into intuitive responses so we have to trust ourselves you know like yes it happens to me as well because I'm like oh this is messy this is going to be messy but it's not once you find a way to tune in a little bit more and a little bit more you know and really understand yourself that's what it is first and understanding how those energies work within each and every single one of us, right? And when we need to utilize different ones. And I know I was saying this to you the other day, even was um, just in terms of how we work in our lives, like how we show up to work, it's that we're expected, and especially as women, to be on all of the time, on, on, on. 
you know, um, product producing every single day. And that is so structured, so rigid. And I think that's why we reach burnout is because we don't allow ourselves to breathe, to go, today I don't really think that that's what I'm being called to do. I think I need to find a new way to do it today. Mm. Yeah, totally. And that, that, you know, Mother Earth, right, is also that feminine creation, like creation itself um, is feminine. And when we talk about honoring let's say the feminine, the yin, it's also about honoring the cycles that you were just mentioning, right? And mm. being more intuitive, attuned to them. And that, that yes, it, of course, it challenges notions of, of the way we do things today, like you said, when I mean, think about just like America's culture, which I mean, I grew up there, it's like, it's like the 24 seven, literally, like that's 24 mm. seven shops are everywhere. It's like, nothing is expected to ever stop course in service mm. to capitalism our friend right mm. and it's like don't stop producing don't stop consuming like let's just never stop <laughs> and it's like where are we going with that obviously besides like destroying our mental and emotional health destroying the planet um mm. destroying our sense of community because it's also one of the highly like individualistic countries of the world right destroying mm. senses of of community and sharing and just living a life that's a little more in tune in tune with ourselves and in tune with our natural cycles the other thing on, on that note is you know I love when we talked about like female-led business or women entrepreneurs because I have always had the thought this is so funny I, I'm gonna be get really like women now like <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought a lot about my period and my period really affects my life you know and and like I have always thought like why don't people why why don't people talk about periods more like our and then I would talk to other women of course and friends and they can't go to work on certain days and they, you know we we know in our community of women that that's a thing but like, why aren't we all talking about it? Why is it a taboo to talk about menstruation at work if like half of the human population has mm. it and is affected by it? And the other half, if you have women in your life, you're probably affected by it too. And, <laughs> it, is, it, and it is the cycle that literally lets us perpetuate the human race and actually give birth and create more human beings. Why is this such a taboo? Yeah. And can let, let us just say that based upon the energy that you were just describing before about that nonstop go, 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 a lot of women aren't, even, they're losing their cycle. They're, they're losing their period, you know, and now it's even been deeply ingrained in us that we should just stop it, like find a way to stop it from actually even happening. Mm. Yeah, there's so many women now realizing this and how much we've been disconnected and how, yeah, let me sterilize my hormonal system so that I can just do, 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 go, go, go. And obviously that's not just about work, even just like sex, like, let me just do whatever mm -hmm. I want and my body not get in my way. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, what has, how has that disconnected us from our essence, from mm -hmm. the cycles of nature themselves? And, and, and I think this is very re relevant to the conversation. I hope, um, doesn't feel like we've deviated because I think that the whole perfectionism comes from this 
world, a narrative we have created that is so far from reality. Mm-hmm. And it if really that's is. our point of comparison, how are we ever to achieve self-love if what society expects us to be is nowhere near what we are? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, our menstrual cycle mirrors the moon. You know, it does. It's telling us every length. day. Exactly. It's telling us and reminding us that that, that particular nature is within us. You know, that's how we're supposed to be operating all of the time. You know, in I've, I was sharing with you that like ever since I've really understood my cycle, it has completely transformed the woman that I am and how I can show up in the world, how I produce, how creative, like, creative I get to be and how switched on I know I can be at times. And it's created this beautiful structure in my life where I get to fuse then that masculine energy and go, okay, cool. This is what I really needed. This is what I need to like crack in there. And I'm going to spend a whole week just going ham on strategy. And then I'm going to take a week where I completely soften and I break open, you know. And um, one of my mentors had said to me, like, you know, show the kids this as well. And I definitely do with my daughter, but even my son. Like he, he knows all about this now. I talked to him about it and I was like, this is what messy look, look, looks like, you know, this is it. I'm in this moment in my, in my cycle where I need to let go of some stuff. I'm, I need to shed some things and we have that opportunity, both male and female. We always have that opportunity if we follow this particular way of being to be able to access those, these innate wisdoms that say to us, now you need to stop. You need to take a little, you need to take a moment to hit refresh. You need to let go. You need to surrender a little more. And when we've got this society and this big loom that's just telling us, no, you can't. Yeah, it's, it's a challenging one and it's a battle. It's a continuous battle. You know, we've got all of these pressures, but I feel blessed with my period because it reminds me. It's like, no, 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 you can't get too caught up in what the world's telling you right now because your body is screaming at you. And, you know, it's not just in menstrual cycle, but look at the disease that we cause ourselves. Like I am a full believer that physical ailments come from emotional ailments, right? Like there's, there's mm-hmm. stagnation there and we can't release things and it's our body trying to tell us enough. Like you're not listening. You're not, you know, you're not showing up. And that's 100%. not to shame anyone. We have those moments. But, and I think, again, this is why it's a really important topic to discuss is because I've I've shamed myself a lot in the past for wanting to show up in this way and then not feeling like I can. Um, and, you know, sometimes we do have to suck it up because we still live in this world. We're very much human and we've got responsibilities and obligations. You can't just tune out for, you know, six days. Not always. I can sometimes plan it. Um, but, yeah, the shame that comes along, I think, with breaking away from societal constructs is a big one um, and that's where I think it can really affect our emotional well-being and it can stagnate us into stepping into community and tribe as well. So, uh, yeah, it's a topic that is vitally important and the conversation that needs to be had more often. Mm, I had like 25 things to say as you were speaking. <laughs> <laughs> but one of them, one of the last ones is the shame. Yeah, but there's there's the shame there's, but there's also the shame of always having to hide parts of yourself. Like, for example, I, I'm, I've always been like hypersensitive. I am extremely sensitive. Like I cry for, I think I've been like that since I was a baby, since I was a kid. I like somebody can just make a comment and I just will start going to the bathroom and cry. Like I just have always been like way. And the fact that 
I felt that something was wrong with that, right? And that like, if I was sensitive or cried at a moment where it was obviously like, I'm not even talking about work, I'm talking about with circle of people or within my family, I'm not even talking about like other, you know, responsibilities or situations. I just felt so terrible that I had to hide that part of myself. I felt ashamed of my own sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I feel like that's even worse to live like hiding parts of yourself so that you are accepted, you know? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Because it boils back down to that you're too sensitive, you're too emotional, like you're too needy. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, we think we're going to be rejected if we if we do show up like that. Yeah, and this is where creating communities where vulnerability and rawness comes up and where you can say things like you always say to me, like you do you. I'm not, I'm not, and, and it's funny because I think as a society, we really mirror each other and like the way you treat yourself and the way you treat me kind of can also teach me about how I can treat myself, right? And mm -hmm. when I'm like, oh, Ren's doing that for herself or Ren's, Ren's telling me, hey, you do you, like, you know, it doesn't matter if you do this or that, like, I'm not going to judge you for it. It mm -hmm. almost activates that compassion in myself and I'm like oh okay like she's not judging me so I don't have to judge myself and, and I don't have to judge her and then we start creating this other kind of relationship to ourselves and to each other you know absolutely and I think it boils back down to giving permission right permission to ourselves and permission for others to be where they need to be um like meeting people where they're at too I think is important understanding that this journey we're all on different like, it's, I don't want to say levels, but it's like this sliding scale. Like, you know, like I said last week, I was like, I was down here. It was like hella, hella bad. But, you know, yeah, giving it to giving each other permission is incredibly important. Because like you said before, we, we take it away from ourselves. We don't, we don't allow ourselves the permission to live in our fullest expression enough. And yeah. again, I think that even when you were saying that of how we mirror, it's safety, you know, I think that, some, you meet some people, you know, like I think we did it. We, as soon as we met, we sort of gelled. We started talking about social and emotional intelligence, but it was like, oh, okay, we're done. <laughs> this is good. This is a safe space. And it, it's like beautiful things can happen when people feel safe. Like, can't that, can't it? Like, you know, if you feel safe and comfortable to be like, okay, well, she doesn't give a shit, so I'm not going to give a shit. Then that just gives you so much more freedom and liberation to just be exactly who you need to be in that moment without having to think about if that's the way you need to show up the following day as well. Like, you know, that's, I'm sick of this consistency bullshit. Like I get it <laughs> to a degree, but I, I change my hair. I change my nail color all of the time. I know that you've noticed that is that we don't always have to show up in the same way. Mm. Oh my God. A hundred percent. The consistency stuff. I, I agree. Like I judge myself as well for being inconsistent and it's like, ah, oh, it's so tiring to always have to stick to these. And I think it's more, it's not because of me. It's because, oh, what are they going to think if suddenly I'm changing my mind now? Who, like, yeah. and, it's, and it's kind of this whole, again, like, I think that, you know, the, the whole societal, like, fear of rejection, like, the thing is, it falls, I think for the female, it falls a lot into the likability trap. Mm. It's, it's not even like, oh, yeah, like, I, I'm going to just sacrifice myself. Let me morph myself into whoever, whatever I need to be so that I'm like, <laughs> yep. And, 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 mm. and that's likely because of the lack of love we have for ourselves 
because what mm-hmm. happens right when a tra- and you know let's let's give like this typical movie ridiculous example of like the popular girls in high school right <laughs> like mm-hmm. And imagine you say something that's very you or you bring out a topic and they're all like, oh my God, like, you know, what, what happens there? Like, and, and in so many moments, yes, we, we need community and we need try, but like, ultimately the common denominator of your life is you, right? Mm-hmm. People will come and go, um, places will come and go, phases will come and go and, and you're left with yourself. So mm-hmm learning to nurture that relationship with yourself when you're alone in your room, when you're alone in your house, that is one of the most important relationships that will then be able to allow you to be vulnerable and show up authentically with others because you know, hey, if I get rejected, let's say, or if I'm not welcome in this tribe or this space or this circle or this job, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, I'm going to be okay with myself. And my sense of worth as a human being will not depend merely only on the acceptance of this one group of people or this little cycle, you know, tribe over here. Yeah. And that's a tough one to crack. It really is. But I think even what I've noticed, I use my kids as my reference a lot, right? (laughs) But they, you know, they've, they've been my greatest teachers in this, but, um, my daughter being 12, it's a very, very sensitive age for her. You know, she's started, I've watched her over the past couple of years really start to discern, hang on a minute, not everyone's nice. Hang on a minute. People are judging me and they're really judging me and they're loud about it, you know, and we've experienced like where she restricted her eating and not for very long, fortunately, but she restricted it because someone commented that her legs were fat, you know, and then she started self-critiquing herself even more. And then she was, you know, I found her researching, um, like fat eliminating diets that she wanted to go on, on, on Google. And I was like, oh crap, like, what do I do here? And I always sort of coach her through being her own best friend first, you know, that she needs to do that. Um, and, you know, I've got her young, but it's still going to be a journey for her. And when I used to coach um, like teenage girls, that was sort of my job in the past was, working with them on their social and emotional intelligence. And I used to say to them, like the most, like I can sit here and fill you with so much love and I will every time I see you and I'm going to give you so much confidence and empower you. But I'm still like the biggest concern that I have is what narrative goes on when I'm not there and how we can strengthen that. Um, but the biggest, the greatest result I think is first finding people that you can experience that side of yourself with. And that, again, is that safety and being able to connect with at least one other person that can allow that part of you to shine. And then it starts to strengthen when you're alone. Um, Yeah. And, again, I'm seeing that result phenomenally with my daughter. Even, um, I'll just share this story quickly, but she had her girlfriends over for her birthday and... One of them ended up staying over the night and in the nighttime, we have rituals in my home. We do them every day. And um, one of them is we do these om chantings and I say that it's their service to the world, like their active service to the world is to just, you know, make sure their vibration is really high, that they're grounded and they're amplifying it. Um, So we do that every night. And I'd said to my daughter, Sienna, I was like, okay, well, we're going to go and do the meditation now. And I said, would you like to invite your friend? And she was like, ah, okay. (laughs) 
Because, like, look, she's gotten used to the fact that I pack her quinoa and boiled eggs for lunch and all of the other kids are having sandwiches and she's the odd one out. And I just go to her, you're just going to have to get over it, that you are just, you know, you're, you're definitely not going to always blend in. Um, but, yeah, she was like, I could see the nervousness in her. And she invites the friend and we sit there and we start doing it. And she started making a lot of jokes about it, right? And was like, they were giggling. And I think the friend was a little uncomfortable. We're trying to make it lighthearted. And then I said, girls, how about you just stop doing this now? You can just go back into your room and, and Leo, my son, and I will finish. And she was like, oh, okay. And they get up. But as, she's, as my daughter's walking away, she turns around. She goes, I'm so sorry. And she just whispered it to me. And I was like, huh, that's bit funny anyway they went to bed the following day I get a call from the school and it said that Sienna was sick and I was like she's sick I was like okay well but there's no signs of that I thought maybe she was tired from the sleepover and I pick her up and I was like what's going on with you and she's like I just wasn't feeling well and I was like do you want to talk about it she's like I just feel like maybe you would have been mad at me and I'm like about what and it turns out that she was riddled with guilt the following day and she couldn't sleep the night before because she identified that she stopped doing something that she knew was good for her and also something that we do as a family and she detached from what she believed to be true in order to accommodate to her friends and I said to her that was a great thing maybe because you sensed that she was maybe a little bit uncomfortable but also you know I and I always tell her I'm like you're a leader so if you're going to leave you like you could have given her permission you know, to go, well, I'm going to sit here and I'm still comfortable in doing this. And she probably then would have followed on with that and had that experience as well. But it was just really interesting to see that. But I do know that it's because she's safe to be able to explore all those facets of herself at home. And then that gives her more armour, essentially, to go out into the world. And, you know, next time she said to me, like, I, I won't do that because it didn't feel right to her. Mm, that's such a powerful story because I think it's her, like, kind of exploring her own boundaries, right? Mm. and she, yeah. she felt bad because she crossed one of her own personal boundaries yeah I wasn't upset with her I did not like at all but yeah she was just like wow that felt weird <laughs> yeah and and this is so great this is amazing that she has somebody like you that is conscious that can have those conversations with her instead of telling her what to do but in helping her explore what feels right what those emotions were saying to her right because the mm. and and this has a lot to do with I think a lot of women again also have this it's the the difficulty in saying no because mm -hmm. because the feminine is very concerned with like the community and the well-being of the community you know and um it's when when we're just like thinking of them and we want the well-being for them we kind of end up sacrificing our own selves and mm -hmm. do that too often and sometimes we learn the hard way we end up losing ourselves Absolutely. It's, it's this weird picture that's been painted that love is supposed to be self-sacrificial in a really damaging way. Like it's absolutely damaging our innate nature to be supportive and inclusive and hold communities and hold people. Um, you know, and I'm sure that we could all say that we've done it in some way, shape or form. And, and you know, I think maybe I was sharing this with you as well around then how anger comes through and we start getting really pissed off because people are like, then start sucking the life out of us. And it, it takes it back to yourself going, hang on a minute, you're angry because there is a, I always feel that most of the time in our society, anger is just masking pain. And you're in pain because you're not setting and fixing your own boundaries of what's acceptable and how much you can give. And because we exhaust that love sometimes, 
in all of these areas. And sometimes it's not like necessarily great areas. We forget to give it to ourselves so much. And we've been programmed now to think that that's normal, that that is, you know, that's the way that we're supposed to operate. Um, But I've always said to my kids even is that the way that I show up for them is showing up for myself first. Like I absolutely love them and I would give them my food before me, but you know what, they've got to have a mum that is switched on and that can be there. And that means I need some downtime. I don't, sometimes I just need them to make their own toast in the morning, you know, like it's, it's those types of things But we do. We have to fix those boundaries. A hundred percent. That's where the self-love comes in. Yeah. Go ahead, babe. Oh, no, it's fine. I was just going to say, and identifying them can be a challenge as well, but I think you genuinely find it as soon as you feel anger, resentment, frustration, irritation, that's always a warning sign that something's not right. That's like your intuition even just going, okay, you know, pick up a little bit. You should be fixing something here. Mm. Exactly. Like I, we've said in many of the past live sessions, your, your emotions are your unconscious speaking to your conscious. So, and that's, mm. and that's the point, right? If, if we are not in tune with our own emotions and that's, you know, we've done, I've done many live sessions on this before on how your emotions, your needs and your boundaries are the way that you build your self-esteem. Being in tune with your own mm. emotions, understanding, honoring them, what they're trying to tell you, where they come from, what you need, and then setting the appropriate boundaries in place that already is the beginning of self-love. I just want to give people listening some tool that is, you know, besides what we've been talking about of the emotions and the needs, but a tool that you felt, Ren, has like helped you in this journey of tuning back in with your feminine. That's, that's mm. where I'm going to. And, 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 as you think about it, I just want to tell you guys that it's not just about women. It's about all of us welcoming the feminine, of course, the feminine in ourselves. And by the way, like an example of that is even like my partner recently had a whole thing where for the first time he was able to understand the power of vulnerability and of bringing down some of those walls. And that, that was, him connecting with the feminine energy, the messy, emotional, right? That very often masculine embodiment is not allowed to do, right? Because society mm-hmm. says that that's not, that's not appropriate. And mm-hmm. be- because as a society, we have been shaming the feminine, we have been shaming the emotions, shaming the mess, shaming it's all of us men and women human beings that need to like reconciliate with the feminine within ourselves so that we can heal and have a world that reflects both the feminine and the masculine so that they dance together it's not a competition Mm -hmm. it's a dance so that being said can you share Uh. I didn't get to a podium for that one. Wow, I was just mesmerized. <laughs> so in that, in that, I just, that model really served me. And I don't know if you have any model or, or tool or experience that you can share that has helped you reconcile with your feminine energy that might help others. Wow. Uh, man, I can think of so many. Um, 
how do I put this simply? I mean, I'm more than happy to go into it a little bit with about the testicular the, the one for like women. Okay, who well, are, let's do it. The menstrual cycle. Um, but firstly, I'd just say for men as well, and this is how I even coach my son, is it's connecting back into your heart energy. It's understanding. I always say to him, you know, my ex-husband is a footy player. Like he rough and tumbles and he's just like, that's how you be a man. This is like, you know, he's being, he's knee deep in that. And so I always say to my son, where is your strength? And he will immediately tell me in my heart because I'm telling him that's where we lead from. It's not about the muscles that you have. And if you've got the six packs, it's going to tell me that you're a strong boy or you're going to become a king one day. It's this strength. Um, and for women, um, I and I, also it's finding people that understand how to speak from that as well and live by that. It is, it is our community that supports that. It strengthens our own journey. Um, and for women, it's understanding that within our, not only our heart, but our womb is our speaking. It's, it's such a vital force for us to communicate is through that cycle. I can't stress it enough. Um, so in shamanic practices, they have, there's, there's different things that they can call them, but there's the four phases similar to the, the sort of the phases of the moon. Um, and when you're in your bleed, it's called the, um, Sorry, I just had a mental blank. The bear phase. The bear, and so if yeah. you think about the bear, it, it's like we, go, we need to go into a cave. This is a time for us to really sit and be very internal. And it's, you know, the womb is essentially um, the space of all creation. Like this is where babies, are, you know, are, are held for nine months. And it's where all of our ideas and this beautiful creative feminine energy is stored as well. And when we get to connect with that, um, we can release some amazing power back out and we can truly lead from a space of servancy. Um, and so with that, when you're sitting in your first stage of your bleed and you have your actual period, um, it's, yeah, it's a time for deep thinking in and exploring those creative attributes. And we can go more into that later. Like I know that's going to be a part of talking about leadership, but the second phase that you move into in between ovulation and your bleed is called um, eagle, and that's when I would find. So I'm an eagle at the moment, so I'm very me too. <laughs> on. Yeah, eagle, um, and that's where we'd find that we're like we can. We're so strategic. I can work an 80 hour week, and I don't even feel it. I, you, if you ask me to sit down and be still, there is absolutely no way that I can possibly do that. And I'm honouring myself in this space right now because I know it so well. Is that I'm like great. I've jacked my calendar up. I am just ready to go, and I have the energy to do it. Um, third phase which is when it's ovulating goes into otter and if you can imagine that if you've just come out of this like headstrong go 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 otter is then about community it's like when women ovulate I think we feel like happier we feel sexier it's like everything's like oh yay and it's really a time for us to then go out and hang out with people to commune with people and, and start to um, gather the things that we may need for our creations and whatever it is that we're trying to birth um, and so honoring that, that's when I lock in most of my, you know, catch up times with people because I know that I'm going to be feeling really expressive and open to share. Uh, and then the fourth phase is whale. And that's kind of, if you can imagine like this sort of heaviness and that gets, that's where the mess comes again. But if you honor that, generally speaking, it's where the PMS can come through as well, because this is really to do with boundaries. If you're not seeing boundaries in this space, that's when you start to bite back. It's not you know, yes, it's hormonal still, but it's when you start to get really pissed off because you're not saying no enough. And this is a time where we do start to shed and we're getting ready to go back into bear and go, okay, what worked in that month? How can I, you know, move a, a few things around and what else needs to come through? 
but we have to let go of what didn't serve us. And so it really supports our consciousness as well because we have to really look at it and go, what have we been working on in this past like four-week cycle and what does that look like? It's constant reassessments and reevaluation that's led through our secular nature as women. And yes, men have that energy as well and harnessing that, I can guarantee you, supports us all in our positions of leadership and whatever we do out in the world. Um, in a nutshell that's what it is but there's so much more <laughs> oh my god but that just that that model though is so amazing because for me it was like oh my god I have permission to feel because sometimes what happens to me and I've been in such a self-development and self-love journey that it's like when I'm not I don't have it together right or mm. I'm, I'm I don't know I'm reacting badly or something's up I start judging myself and I'm like I thought I'd come so far and look at me now. I'm still in this freaking mess. <laughs> and it's like, no, it's meant to be like, and I, I know I talk about this, right? But it's, it is like this. It's, it's a wave. It goes up and down and we can't expect ourselves to always be on the top because we'll just burn ourselves out and not not honor our essence and that is mm. the opposite of self-love right self-love is honoring everything that we are seeing ourselves wholly and fully without an, a standard that mm. makes us feel that we're never enough so and and then it's funny one of the other ambassadors of, of the program is jess and she i was telling you yeah <laughs> she was telling me yesterday she's like I realized that every one, like every month, I wanted to completely recreate my business. And then I realized it had to do with my period. And I'm like, okay, no, don't recreate your business every month, right? But when you have the awareness of it, wow, you can like actually start to like, you know, just tune in, create different models. So yeah, I think, I think if we can, if I can have um, some conclusion of, of this conversation, a lot of the things we talk about is how can we bring in more feminine models of operating in the world? And, you know, Brene Brown is doing this as she talks about the power of vulnerability, you know, and, and mm -hmm. daring to lead. Simon Sinek talks about this when he talks about the power of empathy. Um, how can we still bring it in, normalize it, and live life with self-love as a standard rather than perfectionism yeah it takes a lot of softness it takes some slowing down and yeah it's reconnecting to what's important and owning what's important to us and re-evaluating re those values like you said in the beginning where we're valuing things it's just not we're not made that way here are some mm. of the things that that are coming up um, the 12-week journey for women, if there's any women that resonate with this and want to really reshape that relationship with themselves from a place of self-love and self-awareness with a tribe of other women, that is what the self, the 12-week journey is about. Ren, my love, thank you so much for um, coming on today. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much for this time. I loved it. And yeah, I'm giving everyone lots of love. We can't possibly do this alone. So if you're ready to commit to your growth and inner work, make sure to check out our membership and programs to keep you connected, conscious, and aligned. See you there.